At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American health care. Joining us today is Joe Wilson of Frontier Direct Care. Joe, welcome to Healthcare Americana. It is a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Just quickly want to thank you guys, the Healthcare Americana podcast, because as I got into this industry and started trying to learn about what's going on, this was probably my first and uh, predominant source of information that helped me kind of know where to research and start you know, looking and, and talking and connecting with folks. And so big fan of what you guys have done in the space and uh, love how you're helping push uh, for direct primary care uh, and just the education uh, that we need to help em- empower clients and consumers out there. Joe, I appreciate that. I think we should have you on every week just to uh, go ahead and repeat that out to everybody out there <laughs> listening. So thank you. Yeah. You know, we, we, we try our best here. We try to present as much kind of educational and just ed- just information learning we possibly can and get everybody's angles running Freedom Health. I think that taught us that we don't have all the answers. There's a ton of smart people out there trying to do things in their own different way. And we're all pushing the same direction, which is a lot of fun. So I've enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know everybody else there at Frontier Direct Care over the years. Love what you guys are doing. Obviously, there's a story to tell here, right? So you are the chief growth officer at Frontier Direct Care. And when we got chatting, I'm like, you know what? I love the fact that there is a practice who is innovative, who's, who's, who's thinking expansion, who's thinking about how to care for people, how to get the message out, and created this growth officer position. Give us a little insight into what that means and what your day-to-day looks like. Yeah. So I can go about this a couple of ways. Uh, the first way being when you don't know what title to give somebody, you call them chief growth officer. So CEO <laughs> and chief medical officer was already taken. And so by my, my two business partners and and so when we were kind of looking at what I do, I started out as a chief operating officer. And so early on, I'm talking when we had one clinic and a few hundred members and just trying to figure out how to you know, fix light bulbs and things like that. Those were kind of the titles we gave ourselves and I would handle kind of the day-to-day operations. But one of the things we've learned quickly and one thing I would encourage is we operate on an entrepreneurial operating system. And so if you're familiar with Traction EOS, it's a book by Gino Wickman, a great little platform for starting any kind of business on or fixing a current business and kind of getting things smoothed out. We started in that. And one of the core concepts is letting go of the vine. And so as we got into this, you know, wore many hats from uh, director of sales to chief operating officer to you know, marketing coordinator, whatever, that's what you do when you start a a company. And as we found better people to replace 
me and, and or or to fill those roles, uh, brought those on quickly. And so we've got a chief operating officer, Andrew, who is just gifted with process and organization. So it's obviously a, a chance to step away from that role. Uh, we've got a business development officer who's doing a great job at sales coordination. But what it allowed me to do was to step into kind of a forward facing, like, what do we need to be doing next to the company? We've got people who are focused on today's operations and today's sales and today's function of delivering care to our members. But ultimately, like, how are we going to think about that scale and that growth and the sales pipeline two years from now so we can continue to hit our goals and expand and invite more folks into direct primary care model and and healthcare uh, in the way that we feel like it should function. And so uh, the chief growth officer position was kind of created there for me and it allows me to kind of speak into sales and marketing uh, and work collaboratively with the team on new ideas, uh, new revenue streams, uh, new uh, value-based programs for our members uh, going forward. So instead of saying, hey, we really don't know what to call you, so we're going to put you on the growth one, I'd say look at it more of like you're a renaissance man. You're able to juggle a lot, keep it going. But, and this is an old kind of business school analogy, but, uh, you know, when, when you talk about forward, forward thinking, forward looking, forecasting, people like to use the word roadmap. And the best business advice I ever got was business is never a straight line. It's not even a curvy line. It is, you're in the middle of ocean in a sailboat saying, I want to go over that island over there. I don't know which way the wind's blowing or the current's going to go, but damn it, I'm going to get there one way or the other. I was like, holy cow, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, not just because I love to sail, but that's where I, I, I love going. And so many people are fixated on this roadmap. There's this fixed way forward. And from what I gathered from what you just heard, like there's so many things that go into it and so many things that are unforeseen. It's impossible to plan for it. So thank goodness that we have smart people like yourself out there able to pick their heads up above the weeds and say, hey, this is doable. Let's Here's an opportunity over here. Let's go that route. I'm not going to claim credit, you know, for the podcast or the people on this or anything like that influencing. It sounds like you've done pretty well by yourself there. Now, you've had an interesting backstory, I guess. And I always love diving into people's backstories to kind of see what make people tick. You came from a nonprofit ministry world. Now you're in a for-profit kind of an innovative medical world. How do those two, gosh, I guess ways of thinking, how do they differ? How are they alike? Yeah, I think ultimately, uh, you know, coming from a, a you know, really a, a religious nonprofit background, I spent 20 years in doing ministry to an organization called Young Life, if you're familiar with that. Um, and so we would build, you know, and re- recruit and train volunteers, build uh, programs targeting youth and teen moms and kids with special needs and college students to help them be introduced to, you know, ministry and the gospel and those things. And so that was really cool and, and loved doing that. Um, when we get into healthcare, it's the same thing. We want people to know that they are valued, they have purpose, and that we desperately want to serve them and introduce them into a great relationship with a primary care provider. We carry over some core concepts from ministry. Uh, you can't have ministry without margin. And so you can't run a healthcare company without profits, right? Like you, you have to have that in there. But by and large, what I experienced when I transferred over to healthcare, uh, in fact, both of my business partners were my board members in ministry. Uh, and so when they invited me to join them, it was like, yeah, we are passionate to serve and educate and empower people to do life a way that um, is efficient, cost effective, uh, and is ultimately increasing their health. Uh, and we look at that health holistically, whether it's, you know, spiritual, mental, physical, you know, those things, financial, and all those things have a, a, a point on a person's um, quality of life going forward. And so making the transfer over was really cool. 
looking for innovative ways to drive value, to really create a customer experience that was empowering and to let everybody know whether they were an undocumented individual who was using our practice for access to healthcare, or they were a jet setter that was flying to and from work in their private plane every day. That was something we created a quality in that. And and so that was really empowering for me. And and I loved being a part of that movement uh, to make sure that care was accessible to all. We hear a lot of times that you know, we help a lot of doctors start their practices. And they the biggest question is, well, how do I help educate my patients that this is not just a different way of, of, of doing business in, in medicine, different way of experiencing healthcare? How do I educate them that this is going to be better for them in the long run? And so I see a lot of parallels between what your work in ministry was, educating people about their faith or becoming, you know, uh, more in touch with their faith. How do you bring that over and how do you educate prospective patients on why they should join the practice and what the benefits are of Frontier? Yeah, that's great, great parallels there. Um, You know, ultimately, you have a way, I think, in the traditional healthcare model that we've been conditioned to consume it or to be a user of it, right? And so we talk a lot about users and consumers. Users don't really pay uh, any mind to what things cost, right? You might think of this like your little kids, they use your house, right? They use your furniture, uh, and so they jump on it, they're hard on it, they pay no mind, there is no consequence if they break it, right? They just think, yeah, it's, it's easy. Meanwhile, if you're a consumer of that house and that furniture, you are much more mindful and educated about what it costs, what it's going to do for you, how it impacts your family, all those kind of things. Same way when we talk about humanity uh, at large and we look at people and, and if we're just a user of our community, you know, it's all about us. Uh, we think about how much can I gather and keep when we become a consumer of our community, we're also acutely aware of how our actions impact the community around us and how they can help. If we want to grow in our influence in a community, we want to be somebody that's also focused on service. When we take that into the healthcare space, we make that transition really easy of, hey, you've probably been conditioned to use healthcare. You know, that insurance card was in some respects, uh, some way that you just walked in and said, I've got access to everything. And the reality was you really weren't conditioned on how to be a consumer of healthcare, to make an educated uh, decision uh, about what you're going to pay and where you're going to go and how you're going to engage the resources available to you uh, becomes acutely important when you start realizing, gosh, my healthcare costs, whether I'm an individual or an employer, is probably the second biggest cost uh, for my company or my family. And so we like to encourage folks, hey, take a look at it. One great analogy, I know I've heard it even on your podcast before, I think there's some other folks, is the car insurance analogy, right? Like we use car insurance uh, the way we do. I know a medical cost sharing uses this a lot. But I'd say, you know, we've been conditioned to buy coverage, much the same like we buy car insurance and we buy maybe even a car warranty. But at the end of the day, when your car breaks down, you still got to find a mechanic, right? Well, if I can identify my mechanic first uh, in the traditional car insurance space, I have coverage. Maybe my coverage tells me what mechanics I should use because they like them. But meanwhile, if I actually go shop that on open market and I find the best deal for my car repairs, if I could find a body shop or a mechanic that I knew their hourly rate, and then I could decide how much I could afford to take care of myself just directly with them and how much I would need and at what point I would need actual uh, financial coverage for, well, then I can choose my deductible and get the appropriate coverage I need and, and maximize my dollar. And so we just educate folks, hey, think about healthcare a different way and, and uh, be intentional and we'll help you with that. Uh, and let's put together a plan that can really take care of you and your family or your employees. 
Once again, we're talking with Joe Wilson, the Chief Growth Officer of Frontier Direct Care. Joe, we're going to take a quick break, hear back from our title sponsors over at Freedom HealthWorks. If you're struggling to convert interested people into members of your direct care practice, you are not alone. The top challenge reported in direct sales is patient sales. Whether you dread potential patient calls because sales makes you uncomfortable or because you are simply occupied with taking care of people and saving lives, Freedom might have a great solution for you. The Freedom HealthWorks Enrollment Desk service includes a dedicated patient sales team for your practice across all U.S. time zones, live data measuring your total calls, leads, conversions, answer rates, and more, as well as full prospect tracking from first contact through membership so nobody ever slips through the cracks. Contact Freedom HealthWorks at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com to chat with a team member or schedule a demo. Once again, Joe Wilson, Chief Growth Officer, Frontier Direct Care. So Joe, you guys, um, you have a handful of clinics there on the Texas-Mexico border. What are some of the top things that are really fueling your growth where you said, you know what, we need clinic number two, we need clinic number three, four, five, six, all the way up. What are the top things driving that growth? Yeah, I think uh, one is we see in the direct primary care space, a lot of times it's an individual doctor or mid-level you know, primary care provider that's stepping out and saying, hey, I want to build a practice. Uh, obviously, they work on the business early on, you know, want to have a brand and a logo and a location, and they work on that, and they start adding patients into that, and hopefully they get full pretty quick, and they've got you know three to six, 700 patients going on. Uh, and now they start having to work in the business all the time because they're doing patient care. The great efficiency of direct primary care is that there's not a lot of coding and charting going on on the back end. So they have that time uh, to do that. And that's awesome. But when we think about, you know, going direct through employers or we think about working with large groups or the several of doctors that don't want to take on the full responsibility of owning uh, and operating all of their own practice and trying to grow that. Really, we built a team that said, hey, we all have to, to come together and serve multiple parts of the vision here and share that workload together. And so through that, being able to build a corporate infrastructure uh, between sales and marketing and, and management and leadership and operations and, and the chief growth officer spot allowed us to really look at our community and address the needs of our community and say, hey, there's an open area here our community was really consuming healthcare through their employers, and the largest employers were those municipalities and school districts and those kind of things, uh, large employers, manufacturing, agriculture. And so we said, how do we create a program that works for them? And so a lot of that came through helping them be educated on looking at self-funding and working with strategic brokers that could help get them the solutions they needed. And so we became really a connector of those things. Uh, and through that, those opportunities put us in front of the decision makers of these large employer groups who said, hey, yeah, we're kind of fed up with the traditional status quo of another 10% increase year over year, no matter what we do. And we want to look at something different. And so together we began building health plans uh, with them and their TPAs or their, their agents. And that became a really good avenue for gaining employer groups. Uh, and that's been really key to our success. Through that, that's also driven organic growth and it's facilitated a need for us to be able to hire and and, uh, bring primary care providers over, whether those are nurse practitioners or physician assistants or MDs and DOs to join that and serve that. I think the second part really is probably the congruent experience. You know, I love the direct primary care network. I love that there are a very big individualistic uh, entrepreneur spirit in direct primary care. 
But the challenge I've seen is we've toured several clinics and different practices is, you know, you've got one that has a certain vibe of who that doctor is. And so it might be that it's the walls are all pink and polka dots and everything is decorated in a certain fashion. And you go to another one and it is a different experience, different EHRs, different patient engagements, the way they treat people. Uh, and all of them good at their own space, but it, we felt like really we needed to be able to go to any one of our clinics and have the same experience, the same expectations, the same list of services and transparency, the same billing and invoicing with employer groups. And so that congruency and shared experience across the board has been effective and people knowing they can depend on Frontier to deliver a, a repeatable scale of product day after day. What's some of the biggest pushback when you go into those employer conversations or if somebody walks in off the street and says, hey, I want to learn more about you? What are the biggest pushbacks that you get? The uh, kind of the, you know, is this too good to be true? Or I already have insurance. Why would I pay for this? What do people say? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of the larger pushbacks are, you know, I already have insurance or we have a, a coverage. Why would we buy up to install a direct primary care program? What's your response to that? I'm curious, obviously. Yeah, I think ultimately we talk about, you know, uh, and I think you had, um, oh gosh, I think the guy's name is David from ePower Benefits on here not too long ago, uh, or, or I've heard him talk uh, on some other things. And uh, he said it well the other day, and, and just that people think because you're fully insured that the insurance company is assuming the risk, but they're going to bill you for what you used next year. Uh, and so if you have taken advantage of that risk that they assumed, then you're going to get that 40% renewal. Um, and so we start to help them understand that, hey, it's coming out of you one way or the other. They will get their pound of flesh. You know, you're just creating a financing vehicle for how you're going to take this on. Now, if you can get proactive and get your group healthy and you can underwrite at a, at a much lower level, you know, of premium through stop loss and self-funding or, or level funding, then you can actually take advantage of the, of the health care programs you put in place to do care management and that proactive focus on primary care, that investment up front of saying, let's give everybody accessible, affordable, dependable, fast, uh, relational service, right? Like with a, with a company that is really member and patient obsessed with how that experience happens, then we can help better mitigate those chronic diseases uh, becoming strokes and becoming uh, we can help get cancer. If everybody's getting labs in a, in a year because it's a part of the package, then we can help catch that cancer or something in a stage one versus a stage four. That proactive uh, engagement and treatment and you know getting folks healthy and, and educated about that is going to drive uh, results in the back end uh, you know, on your catastrophic care uh, when it comes to those, those major events that tax all of our health plans, honestly, at the end of the day. One of the reasons why I enjoy talking with you I consider you like you're like a general optimist about American healthcare, right? And, and and so many times it's like, oh, healthcare sucks and insurance this and hospitals this. And I try to point out the good in it. And, and I know you're one of those people in there. They're like, like, guys, take a look at the technology and the advances we have here in this country. We have the best trained medical professionals in the world in history, combined history, right? Most technology what the hell is going on? Where Where is this mismatch, right? We have the best people, we have the best technology, yet it is such a bad experience for the vast majority of people. What are you seeing on the ground level that is contributing to that? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, we've, we've been able to sit in the CEO's office of, uh, you know, major insurance carriers. Um, we've been able to sit in the offices of venture capital and private equity. We've been able to sit in, in the offices of 
you know, corporate executives and city managers, you name it, right? Like uh, from the top down, uh, when you're thinking about these large carriers and what they're trying to do, even if it's from a right attitude of we want to deliver care, when the risk uh, that they're assuming comes down and, and looks like, hey, well, I need to control the PBM and the TPA as a you know United Healthcare Group, and they try to put this in as a fully insured product or even in a self-funded, you know, vertically integrated stack, there, they're focused on that back end administration. There's so much effort in that work of collecting payment, of collecting the billing, and making sure that that's right. Uh, that they don't have the capacity to focus on patient care. There was a great article in some of the A16 stuff the other day about, you know, the biggest company in the world is going to be uh, what they would call a, a payvider, right? A, a payer and a provider of healthcare. Uh, this will surpass kind of the Apple and uh, Amazon and, and even the United Healthcare space. Uh, if we can have that blend of a customer experience like Apple, but a you know a, a network of, or the health access that maybe United Healthcare might give you, but that's going to start from the, the, the ground movement of and I think really direct primary care. And so, you know, we can tour hospitals. I went to one yesterday, you know, and there was um, I saw dozens of babies that were in like the twenty-two to twenty-three week old stage of life. And knowing that we had the tech to be able to give that baby a really great chance at a full life is amazing. The reality, though, is that most folks don't know that those resources are available to them and they're fearful of how to even engage them. And so connecting the dots between saying, hey, we from the grassroots DPC side want to give you an incredible patient experience. We want to drive value care for you. Uh, we want to connect you to direct pay resources and we can take on 80, 90 percent of that healthcare need for you. And then connect that to an appropriate coverage amount uh, or the financing solutions that somebody might need in those spaces can really drive a, a much better patient experience where they're no longer fearful to engage healthcare. It's a beautiful story and it's really touching. We talked about, you know, the preemie babies and everything, but it, it goes back to a question we get a lot is is well, why would I buy this? Why are people joining? What kind of people are joining? And and I always tell people you know, they join for the advocacy. They join because the doctor's going to be your quarterback coming in. They join because of the access. Yes. They don't join because, you know, they need to get this, this, or this. It's not episodic, right? People value that relationship. And so the next question is, well, what kind, you know, how are they male? Are they female? How old are they? What kind of insurance plans they have? And it's always like, you know, the person asking that question has to completely change the way that they see the business of medicine. And I always tell them, you know, it's more psychographic than anything, right? It's it's the people who have experienced healthcare, whether as a caretaker or themselves, have completely been lost, abandoned, cheated, ripped off. I, who knows what it is? Who now understand that having a doctor on speed dial is really actually a nice thing going forward. And it's funny, like I love when like nineteen year olds walk in the walk in the clinics and are like, "No, I I want to come here because I don't. I've never seen a doctor. I don't know how to do it. And this is a very inviting, very educational place too." And that just runs the the gamut up there. And see, you got me you got me fired up about that now because I, I always ask those questions, but then well, that's and that's what when when you when you ask that question and the the communication element, right? That's key. And when we think about the pay provider, if if you want to do that, or from a patient interface to a plan sponsor or a carrier interface, like these things aren't being connected very well. So you know, one of the challenges I look at in direct primary care even is. When a patient engages, if you were to have a large employer group and split that across a network of direct primary care providers, 
they're using different EHRs. You know, if they even in a fee for service world, you go into any primary care space, you might not have the same EHR. You might not have the same data going in. So that bad data going in, now we've got to spend this administrative burden capturing that data. Well, everything from indirect primary care, well, we give the patient our provider's cell phone number, right? So now they can call and have access to them. Those conversations are tracked in that electronic health records, which then can communicate to the strategic TPAs and PBMs we put in our health plans to make sure that they're getting that data quickly. And now with that data and the, the ability for even a PBM or a TPA to reach out and talk to a patient so that if our, our physician makes a, you know, a recommendation on a referral or a prescription and the PBM can reach out and say, hey, if you would go to this pharmacy instead of that one, or if you'd allow us to do a five-day script right now and then a 30-day script you know, mail order, we could actually mitigate your out-of-pocket expense and save your plan sponsor thousands of dollars. Then the patient can take that, right? And now when we look at the next level of that, the PBM can let our EHR know this is what the patient steerage has been and they've chosen this route. And so next time we don't even have to have this process again. It's already noted in that communication cycle inside the ecosystem of healthcare that is created by direct primary care becomes massively more efficient and effective and now your patient can trust and they know where to go, who to talk to, and how to engage it. Do you ever get pushback from doctors for like, that sounds way too complicated. I don't even want to learn about that stuff. I don't want to learn the acronyms. I don't want to learn how that just is connected. You're like, come on, there's money sitting here, right? Don't complain that you don't have enough money to start a practice when you're looking at a, a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they, um, it seems like it's too much, but the tech's out there, right? I mean, think about it. Like, between, you know, the Stripe platforms and the payment processing, all those things that are available to us. Uh, I mean, there's a, a hundred players and it seems like in every space uh, for a solution. If you need an EHR, you can go to or dozens of them in a minute. There are a lot of people that are developing these things. It's, it's really about communicating and collaborating together to create a, an effective workflow. And once we tell doctors like, hey, if you want your patients to have great adherence, then you need to understand the impact that the prescription drug cost or the plan of care cost that you just prescribed to that patient is going to drastically determine if they actually engage and adhere to the plan you gave them. If it's going to cost a guy making, you know, $25,000 a year, uh, $5,000 to get his prescription medicine, like he's probably not going to do it. And so you're going to wonder why you're not getting the results you're getting, you, you hoped for and why he's not coming back. Well, that might actually help people in our industry out because hospitals are moving more and more to I hate how they pervert terms, but they say value-based care. To you and I, it's like, wow, if you're providing value, then you should earn some money. But to a hospital, it's like, well, it's all bundled up and they can't be readmitted. And then it goes through all these different billing codes and that kind of stuff. So on, on one hand, just totally tangential. I'm like, I'm like, how do you guys get this double speak, like Orwellian naming clauses for every product that you do? You know, fee-for-service is a nightmare. Value-based care is a nightmare. But my point is, you bring up patient compliance, and with the complexity there, if you're a patient, you go to a hospital, you get recommended something, now that doctor's at risk. I don't know a lot of doctors out there who are saying, yeah, I'm totally behind this because my patients listen to me 100% of the time. Nobody out there is going to say that, right? So maybe this is a blessing in disguise for us, Joe. Maybe there's just going to be this massive number of doctors raising their hands, wanting to come work with Freedom Health Works, wanting to come work in your guys' next, I don't know dozens of clinics, however big you're going to be growing to, to be. So, you know, maybe there's some opportunities here and all the, uh, I guess, congestion is 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 how I'm going to, I'm not going to say craziness. I'm just going to say kind of that, that muddled up territory that a lot of the hospitals, insurances uh, companies have 
created for themselves. We're talking with Joe Wilson, the Chief Growth Officer at Frontier Direct here. Joe, I got one more question for you. You know, this is always the big grand finale, and I'm going to switch it up a little bit on you here. What is the most valuable advice you can give to a physician who is looking to start a direct primary care clinic or has already done so? Yeah, I think we have a concept just letting go of the vine. And uh, so it's it's easy to think that, you know, you might be the most capable person or, or the only person you can trust to complete a, a part or a job inside of your business effectively. And I think that is what stops most people from succeeding. I would also say that, you know, the biggest thing of advice, especially if I was going to tell any, let's just say an individual doctor starting one practice and just wanting to do that, right? Just very simple is don't, don't overspend on things you don't need, right? Like people need a relationship and some common sense. And that solves about probably 80% of the healthcare issues that people come in with is just hearing somebody say, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm calling in this prescription for you. It's going to take about four or five days to work. And then let's see you again here in a week and see where we got. And if you need anything, call me. Simple, practical advice. Uh, you know, it, it goes a, a mile in a relationship with somebody. And, and that's what's important. It's not the body scanners. It's not trying to come in with a, with a thousand bundled services. Good relationships, sound advice, and being accessible. And you'll be successful in that. I love it, Joe. I, I kind of joke with people, especially new parents, like going on what you're saying, like the best words you can ever hear is, this is normal. <laughs> it's like new babies or, or anxiety or stress or anything like that. So Joe Wilson, Chief Growth Officer, Frontier Direct Care. Joe, thanks so much for listening, for being an avid follower, sharing uh, sharing the gospel here, so to speak. And thank you for your time coming on and, and telling us your story. Yeah, thanks for having us and uh, glad to be a part of the movement of really getting people affordable, accessible care through DPC. And, and thankful for you guys continue to advocate for that and, and help educate industry leaders and and purchasers who are excited to learn about this. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com. Catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.